Okay, everyone, if you've got a Bible, could you go to Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20. We'll be getting back into our series on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments we've seen over the last few weeks contain about 300 words in our English translation, and they've had a huge impact on Western society and culture and the way laws are uh, given and governments are structured, yet... Today, they're actually quite unknown. Not many people could name them, and even some Christians would struggle to name all ten. Yet, going back a hundred years or so, the Ten Commandments were used by the church to train new believers, along with the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed. They were foundational teachings for the church, that people would know them. And so we've been going through them and kind of reminding ourselves what God says in those. I've recommended some books to help you if you want to get them. They're in some of the previous sermons we've done. You can have a listen find out about them. Now, the Ten Commandments become part of um, the Old Testament in a section of our Bible known as the Law. The first five books of the Bible are often referred to as the Law. And so we're looking at parts of them. And scholars can break up the law as a whole into three main sort of areas. We have the ceremonial law, which deal with all the sacrifices and the temple and all the bits you read there about that. Then there's the civil law and how the nation of Israel was to be governed. And then finally the moral part, law, part of the law, which was how that they should live. And the purpose of the law we read has a few, has a few purposes, things that we should know about it. It shows us how to live, number one. That's why the law has been given, to point to us how to live. The second reason we have the law is it restrains sin. If you know there's a law and you know there's a penalty for breaking it, you're less likely to break it. Just like us, it's why we stick to the speed limit in this country, because we don't want to get points on our license and get fined. So it restrains sin. And the final one, and probably the most important, is it shows us that we need a saviour. Because we cannot keep the law. No matter how hard we try, we all fail, we all fall short of God's law, of God's standards. But thankfully for us, we find that the law was fulfilled perfectly in Jesus Christ, which is fantastic. He fulfilled the ceremonial law because we read in the book of Hebrews that he was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. So we don't have to make sacrifices anymore. Instead, we remember that sacrifice when we take the bread and the wine. But we don't have to sacrifice anything ourselves. The civil law, the nation of Israel, doesn't exist as such. For God's people, in fact, we're members of every nation around the world. And so we come under the law of those um, nations instead. And so that we are Christ's church in all the nations of the world. And finally, the moral law, Jesus fulfilled completely, following it perfectly. But then it is restated in the New Testament, so it is still binding on us. It is still something that we need to live by and work out. And these laws that God gave to his people was in the context of bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. They had been set free. They were free people, no longer slaves under Pharaoh. So they had found their freedom. And in response to that freedom and worshipping God, God spoke to them and said, this is now how I want you to live. And so us as Christians now, we are free people. And in response to that, we have to live a certain way. And these Ten Commandments guide us in that for us. That's why we entitled the series, Free to Live. We've been set free. We're no longer slaves to sin. And so this is how we are to live. And we've looked so far at the first four commandments. We saw the first one, that there was, we'd have no other God but God. And this was in reference to all the gods they'd had in Egypt. And they said, no, no, just one God. You follow me and me alone, said the God of Israel. 
And we know that's been filled totally in Christ. We have the second commandment. We need to, are to worship him the right way. So the idea of using images and idols and statues we are not to go for. And we know that we are so prone to making idols of so many things in our lives. But that is not acceptable. The third commandment was about honoring uh, God's name. And making sure that we speak well of him and speak truthfully about him. And the final commandment we looked at a couple of weeks ago, the fourth one was that we are to keep his day. We work six and then we rest one to worship together um, and give honor and glory to God. And so today we are on to the fifth commandment. So it should appear behind me. Let's have a little read of our fifth commandment. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Honour your father and your mother. Now before we kind of get into this, I just need to say something up front there, that even reading that commandment for some of you, uh, it can be painful. Because your experience, your personal experience of your mum or dad can be something that brings pain. It can be because your parents were... Uh, not good parents to you and you feel the pain of that especially that first word that says honor it might be that your parents were absent for various reasons they may you may, may have died they may be just removed themselves from being your mum or your dad and you feel a sense of loss in that and just want to say up front I'm aware of that but please hang in there with us as we go through this commandment together and see how, how it applies to us here and now So we've gone to the fifth commandment. Now, what scholars tell us is they describe them as tables of the law. They say there are two tables of the Ten Commandments. The first four are the first table. The second six are the second table of the commandment. And so this is the first commandment of the second table. And they say to us, the first four commandments are vertical. They're all about us relating to God. The second six, or the next, sorry, next six are horizontal. It's how we relate to others around us. And interesting, this was summed up perfectly by Jesus Christ when they said to him, okay, you know, how do you sum up the law? What's the most important law? And what does he say? He says you should love God. And then he said you should love your neighbors. And the first four commandments were about loving God. And the next six are all about loving our neighbors. And so this is what we are going to look at today. Because as the first commandment was the foundation of the first section, no other God before me, the sec- this six, uh, fifth commandment is the foundation of the second section, which is we honor our parents first and foremost. We, love, uh, we honor God by loving God first and we honor our parents by beginning at home and loving them because parents, the relationship with parents is the fundamental relationship for all our lives. It's the one we all begin with um, when we start life. We have um, our relationship with our parents and it's the place that we learn so many things. Sometimes we learn good things, sometimes we learn bad things. And this commandment is about honoring parents uh, in their authority as parents, and it has wider application for us as well in honoring authority in society. One um, scholar wrote this. It says, God intends the family to be our first hospital, our first school, our first government, and our first church. And so this one coming first in our relationships with others is, is huge for us that because it all starts at home. What we learn at home growing up will have implications for all the rest of our life and how we look at authority that is God puts over us in so many different forms so I want to look at the what why and how of this command for us first of all the what it begins 
Honor your father and your mother. First word there, honor. Honor, the word means heavy or it means weighty. And it means to give weight to someone's position, to give them honor, to give them authority, to give them respect, to speak well of them. It's the same idea we looked when we had the third commandment where it's do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Because in vain uh, means empty, light, nothingness. And it's the opposite kind of of honor. So when we said don't take God's name in vain, we looked at the other side and said, well, actually, we're to honor God's name. This is the same sense. When it comes to parents, we are to honor them. We honor God and his name because of who he is. And we are to honor our parents and treat them with respect because of who they are. And it stays here in the commandments, but it comes up again in the Bible. In Leviticus 19, it says, every one of you shall revere his father and mother. Proverbs 6, 20 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching, recognizing the role they have in a child's life. Ephesians 1, going into the New Testament, it says, simply says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so there is a following through of this commandment throughout Scripture, and the people of God were to honor their parents and God was speaking from the mountain to the moor, and that was something that they were to do. But then it says afterwards, this is interesting, it says honor, but then it says your father and mother. And this is key for us. And when you realize the culture it's speaking from, it makes it even more important. It says both father and mother. And this was speaking to a patriarchal society. If you read through the rest of the, 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 part of the Old Testament that comes before it and after it, it was very much about the male line. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and it was very much a male-dominated patriarchal society. But God speaks straight into that counterculturally and says, you will honor both your father and your mother. I read one um, commentator who said, this was without precedent in the ancient world. God valued both mom and dad at the home. They would be honored equally. There was no superiority. No one was greater than the other. Both of them should be given Honor, And what we find sometimes in our society is it likes to swing from one pendulum to the other. We've had centuries of male domination and being abusive and control and authority in so many areas. And then more modernly, almost the pendulum swung the other way. When we get feminism, militant feminism, almost men are worthless and not worth it. And actually, they, you know, almost do we need them? And the Bible comes straight against it and says, uh-uh, you don't get to do that. You have to honor mum and you have to honor dad. And you have to do both of them together. And like the previous commandment, this has a flip side. They both have positive and negatives. This one is stated positively. Some of the other commandments are stated negatively. It says, honor your father and mother. The flip of that, of course, is do not dishonor them. That's the other side. If you state it negatively, do not dishonor them. You are to be active in honoring your parents. We are to actively avoid doing things that would dishonor them that would come against them, that would bring them shame. We are to honor them for the authority they have and the position they hold. And this for us also has wider application. It always begins at home. Everything begins at home because that's where we start life. But then it has wider application for authority outside of the home. And we have authorities in our life in many places. We have, most of us have workplaces or have been in workplaces where there is authority over us. You've got a boss, a line manager, CEO, someone who is over you, who, who has the place of authority. We also have law and government. 
where they make the rules, they make the, the calls about how the nation is run, how society is run. We also have the church. Part of a church, the church always have some sort of authority, leaders or, or elders or whatever they're called in different groups, different denominations, but there is an authority in that. And so when it comes to honoring our parents, it's the beginning of honoring authority in so many different places in our lives. And this begs a question, how do we honor those who are not honorable? Some of you may have had experiences at home where your parents have acted less than honorably towards you in how they've dealt with you. Some of you have been in workplaces where you've had bosses who've been unreasonable, demanding, uncaring, unsympathetic to your situation and just keep piling more on you. We've all experienced over the last few years how our government has been. (laughs) MP expenses, Brexit, they haven't necessarily acted, many of them, in particularly honorable ways. Even in the church, heaven forbid, we've had experiences of church leaders who may have been hypocritical or controlling or abusive to you. And so as we go through this, I'm aware of all those things. I've been through all those things in some form or another. And as we look at the how and the why, let's see if we can find some answers of how we go about dealing with these situations and how we work through them. So why should we follow this command? Why should we follow? We can't. Give me, give you, let me give you three reasons why we should. First one, it says so. It says so. God says so. I think Jeremy said it last time when we looked, he looked at commandment number four. These are not divine suggestions. These are divine commandments. So we honor our father and mother and those in authority over us because God says it. It is an act of obedience and faith towards him first and foremost. We also find that the breaking of this command from God's point of view is not good. And he takes it extremely seriously. If you read on in the book of Leviticus, it says this. Hold on to your hats. For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father's mother. His blood is upon him. Later it says in Deuteronomy, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother... And though they discipline him, he will not listen. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, Our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey your voice. He's a glutton, a drunkard. And all the men in the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear and fear. Rebellion is a common sin amongst God's people comes up again and again as we read God's word and God takes an extremely dim view of rebellion against his authority it's actually ultimately the sin of Satan isn't it he rebelled against God's authority and so failure to honor our parents has massive consequences and this is repeated in the New Testament in Colossians 3 it says children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord Second thing, why should we obey this commandment? It serves us. It serves us. It's actually good for you. Because what does the commandment say? It says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is the only commandment with a... (laughs) Promise attached to it. I mean, that was timing, wasn't it? I don't know what happened there. I wanted a drum. 
is the only commandment with a promise. You honor your parents and something good happens to you. And in this context, it says it's the land. And if we remember what was happening at this point, God's people had multiplied as per his promise to Abraham. Go back to Genesis 12. And then God had promised Abraham, you're not only going to have many descendants, you're going to have a land. They had multiplied in Egypt. They'd been led out under Moses, come to the mountain, and they were on their way where? To the promised land. We looked at the book of Joshua, I think about 18 months ago, and we saw them taking the land and God's fulfillment of his promise. And this land was an incredible place, flowing with milk and honey. God's, it was a picture of God's provision for his people. This is where you want to be, in the land. And you want to keep in the land. You want to stay in the land and enjoy God's blessings. How do you do that? You honor your mum and dad. That's what he's saying right here in this command. You honor your mum and dad. If you want to stay in the land that I'm about to give you, this is where it begins. It begins at home. It begins with your attitude to them, to the authority over you. This is actually directly repeated into the New Testament in Ephesians 6, where it says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. That you repeat that same promise. For us to enjoy the blessings and the grace of God, he's saying, actually, honor your parents. That's where it goes. So if you think, is, why should I follow this commandment? Well, God says it should be enough, but actually, there's benefit for you if you do it. Life will go better. Life will be good. Life will be easier for you. The third reason why we should follow this command is that Jesus modeled it. Jesus modeled it. Jesus honored his earthly parents. Just think about that. Jesus was the king of kings and lord of lords who came to earth as a baby. Sinless, perfect. He lived a perfect life. And he chose to honor imperfect human parents. Joseph and Mary were his earthly parents. And he chose to honor them. And the Bible doesn't say a lot about them. And certain parts of the church would say, (laughs) would honor Mary to an extreme, but she was still just a human. And both of them would have had all sorts of flaws. And Jesus chose to honor them. And it says in Luke 2, 51, and it says, And he, Jesus, went with them, Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. How hard do you think that is when he was perfect and he knew his parents? He's got a legitimate reason to say, well, you don't know what you're doing. One, because I made you and everything else. The decisions you're making aren't the best because you're not perfect and I am. Yet he chose to submit to him, submit to them. And even at the end of his life, we read, at the moment of death, what did Jesus do? He took care of his mum. Scholars believe that Joseph had passed away by them. And so it was only his mum left. And it says in John 19, it says, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. The disciple there referencing is John, the Apostle John, who wrote that gospel and other, some other letters. So even at his moment of death, Jesus was thinking about who's looking after mum when I'm gone. And so he, he got provision, which was his friend John, who he knew would take care of his mum when he's gone. And even in his moment of death, Jesus submitted to his heavenly father on the cross. And he prayed in Gethsemane, yet not my will but yours be done. And so Jesus in his life exemplified this commandment in honoring the authority over him in all his forms. Last one. How 
how do we go about kind of earthing this? How about how do we go about putting this into kind of um, work now? I imagine many of you are sitting there thinking, I wish my kids weren't in kids' work so they could come and listen to this. Because <laughs> we're, we're on the other side of that for many of us, aren't they? We're the parents now and we want to think, yes, honor us. I think I should make my kids memorize this commandment. But thinking about who we're here now, how do we go about applying this to our life? We're all at different ages, we're all at different stages. Some of you in here, some of the older young people have got, you're still living at home with your parents. Some of you here have elderly parents kind of living close, living further away. Some of you may have lost your parents and are like, what does this mean for us now? Well, the church is family, number one. And so actually we, we can work this out together as a large family. We've been blessed in this church with many mums and dads and grandparents, all ages. Uh, it's something we prayed for at the beginning. And so actually I'm thrilled that we have a kind of a cross-generational dynamic to us as a church. Mel and I feel very much that we are the mum and dad of this church. When we came to start the church, we had prophetic words. People saying, you're going to go and, and plant a church, and you're going to need to be the dad and the mum of that church. People have asked us about why we've only got two kids, and I laugh and say, we've actually got three. <laughs> you're the funny middle kid um, that we have to look after as well, because God has called us to be mum and dad as you. We officially appointed just a few months ago our first set of elders, who are to be the fathers of the church. And two are to look after it. And so as a church family, we have many, many kind of who fit different roles and responsibilities in us. And so we have a lot to sort of how we can work this out as a large family. And plus outside of this, we've got many of us have workplaces and authority. We have a governor over us that we need to look at and think, how do we honor that? How do we live in light of this commandment? So I've got a bunch of things I want to go through here. And hopefully this will land with some of you depending on which age and stage you are in life. So first one, we need to recognize all authority comes from God. All authority comes from God. When we honor those in authority, whatever that is, we are actively acknowledging that they have that because God has given it to them. God has given it to them. So if you think about your life, who's in authority over you? Where does that come from? If you're at home, with parents, the first place is mum and dad. For some of us who've left home, it's not quite so straightforward, but we'll all have bosses, people who can authority over us. We've got government above us, those who, who enforce that with police and the like, local authorities, they are all in authority over us. When we look at that, we have to recognize behind that is the hand of God. It says in Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Whatever position of authority you find yourself in, we should recognize that you've been put there by God and you have a God-given responsibility to work it out. So if you are a parent here, you are to, to recognize that God has put you in that place. If you have a position of authority at work, and the light, you are to recognize that you have been put there by God and see it as a sacred charge for him. For those of us who are under authority, in whatever form that is, we are to recognize that the people over us who make decisions that affect us have been put there by God. And we are to love them, we are to care for them, we are to pray for those 
who are over us in authority, the Bible tells us, and we are to recognize ultimately God's hand behind it. The second thing, once we recognize that they're, they're there from God, is to forgive them for their failings. Forgive them for their failings. Every parent, boss, leader, line manager, elected official will fail at some point, and some more than others. Our response to them before God is to forgive them. Why are we to forgive them? Well, number one, because we have been forgiven much. When we recognize how much we've been forgiven before God, actually, it makes it easier then to extend that same grace and mercy to others who also fail. If we do not recognize how much we've been forgiven, we will not be able to forgive others. And so we are to forgive because we have been forgiven much. And all those in authority over you, whoever they are, and whatever dynamic, are imperfect. And they will fail you, and they will hurt you, and they will, they will wrong you in some way, at some point. And if they haven't, just give them time. They will get round to it at some point, because that's just the way things are and people are. And I recognize that as the church leader here that um, I will have hurt you at some point. And I will have damaged you by the decisions I've made, things I've said, things I haven't said, which you think I should have said, etc., etc. If I haven't, give me time. I will get to you and you know, work my way around and I will upset you at some point. But as the church leader, you also need to know I love you. I want good for you. <laughs> I want you to grow in God's calling on your life and how much he loves you and he's for you. And so when I fail, I'd love you to extend grace to me and forgive me. Come, come talk to me. Tell me. Let me put it right. Let me say sorry. Let me work it through. And then we can move forward together. And so we are those who are over us in authority. We are to forgive them. And it can be a process. It can take time. It can be things that you do it once and you feel I need to do it again just because of things come up in your life and what's happened to you. And forgiving people doesn't mean excusing their actions or condoning them or putting yourself in harm's way again if you think what they've done is really bad. It doesn't mean any of those things. But it does mean recognizing God's grace and forgiving them and releasing them to God and let God deal with it and you forgive them. Holding unforgiveness towards anybody is extremely dangerous. I heard, I heard once someone describe it as it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> it just doesn't work. And so that's why the Bible says very clear that we should forgive those who hurt us, forgive those who, are, who, are, who have um, damaged us, and we are to release them back to God and actually say we no longer hold responsibility of kind of getting even get it right. That's in your hand. And so we are to forgive them for our, their failings. And this will apply to us if we've had poor experience of parents, but also if we've had ex- poor experience in the workplace, in churches, and the like. And we are to forgive them. Third thing, we are to submit to their authority. By that, we are to, we are to seek to obey willingly those who are over us. So if your parents tell you to tidy your room, be home on time for curfew or whatever it is, you do it. You do it willingly. You see that they love you, you see that they're for you, and you do it. If your boss says you need to get the job done here on time, get that report finished, 
whatever it is, you do it. And you do it willingly as much as it is in your power. You do your job well. You do your job faithfully. You do your job graciously as much as you can. In government, we follow the laws of the land. We pay our taxes. We vote when we have the opportunity to express our kind of uh, our, our opinion on what we think government and law should look like. But we get involved in those things because that's what the law of the land says. In church, we <laughs> sorry I can't say it with a straight face. We follow the leaders and do what they ask us to do and submit to their authority in all those things. But you might say, well, what are the limits of that? Because they will naturally come. We always go to the extreme. What are the limits of that? Well, the limits of that are the fact that the first commandments take precedence over this commandment. And we find in Acts 5 an example where the, uh, the disciples are told to stop preaching Jesus. They're told by the, the religious authorities, you can't go around telling people about Jesus. You can't, you can't do that. And it says, when they've been brought to them and they set them before the council, the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. That would be Jesus. Yet you fill Jerusalem with your teaching and you attend to bring the man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. The first four commandments take precedent over the rest. As much as in our power, we honor the authorities over us whether that's at home or at work or government, until it comes in direct collision with some of God's other commandments. If they say, don't worship Jesus, we say, we love you, we're for you, we're going to worship Jesus. If they say, you can't read your Bible, we say, we love you, we're for you, we're going to read our Bible. If they say, you can't tell other people about Jesus, we say, we love you, we're for you, we're going to tell everyone about Jesus. Because that takes precedent over that, over um, what comes after it. There's an example in 1 Samuel 19 where we see King Saul. And he's, King Saul had a son. His name was Jonathan. And Jonathan had a friend who he loved very much, a guy called David. You'll have heard of David. He's the guy who killed Goliath. And he was a mighty warrior. And Saul became incredibly jealous of David, of what God was doing in his life. And so he sought to kill David. He's just only breaking one of the commandments we're going to come to. And his son, he said to his son, I want you to tell me when your friend David comes around. And put, put uh, Jonathan in the horns of our dilemma. What do I do? Do I honor my parents? Honor dad? Who said I need to tell him when David comes around? But he, I know when he gets David, he's going to kill him. And so what did Jonathan do? He chose to honor God in that. And in saying so, he disobeyed his parents. But actually, he did what was right. And David was free and David escaped because he chose to follow God first over man. And he, but he did it in a way that did honor his parents. Actually, he owned up to it and said, no, I'm not going to do that. But ultimately, he honored God first and foremost. So we are to submit to authority over us to a point, as long as it doesn't mean breaking commandments and things that God would have us not do. The next thing, uh, number four of these, speak well of them. Speak well of them. The tongue is an incredibly powerful weapon, James tells us, and how we use it is vital in our life. We are to speak well of those who are in authority. We speak well of our parents, even if we don't live with them anymore because of the sacrifices they made for us, what they did for us, how they raised us, all the things that we kind of appreciate later in life. I know now, having had children and seeing them grow up, I suddenly realize all the sacrifices my parents made for me because I am now making them for my children and they haven't got a clue. 
By the grace of God, one day they may, but I'm not holding my breath. Because kids are kids, and that's just kind of what happens. But we are to speak well of them. We are seek, you seek to point out the good in them. And this goes for all authorities over us. Teachers at school, bosses, even church leaders. We are to speak well of them. There is no place among God's people for backbiting, for gossiping, for running down the boss at work, even if they aren't that great. That's not how God's people should be acting. We are to speak well of them and encourage others to do the same. I was, before I started working with church, I was a school teacher. And one of the places that you, were, you would often find venting in my line of work was in the staff room because it was the safe place where you could talk about the kids and the parents and just vent. And I suddenly realized I got very quickly got sucked into that cycle of just like, do you know that little, you know, little Johnny from this class and, you know, and all these kind of things. And do you know what the parents, he comes around oh, and all those sort of stuff. And I suddenly realized I need to change my attitude and I need to speak well. I need to speak well of the pupils of the school. I need to speak well of the parents. I need to do that. And I made it my mission to try and always speak positively about them, which for some children was harder than others, I'll admit, but I had to do it because it was right before God. And I tried to honor them and honor the charge I had with them and honor their parents who tried to love them and raise them and those things. And so we are to speak well of the authority over us. Next one, last couple. We are to seek their counsel. This is particularly good for us who've left home and we're making big, big life decisions, getting married, buying houses, changing careers, moving, all these kind of things. We are to seek counsel. And as a church, we have much wisdom amongst us. We have much gray hair of people who've lived life and gone through things. If you're looking to make big decisions, one of the things you should do is read your Bible, you should pray, and then you should go and find godly counsel from people. Talk to people. If you've got problems in your marriage, find people who've been married an awful lot longer than you and you like the look of their marriage, talk to them. If you're making big decisions about career, find people who've done it and say, hey, tell me how you processed this, how you went through this. We have such a wealth here that you can dip into. Even if your own parents aren't around, there are people here who would love you and love to talk to you, love to pray with you, love to talk, love to kind of work things through you and counsel you. When we bought our first home, and we were going through that process. We went to my parents and we said, how do you do this? You bought homes. I don't know what I'm doing. It's an awful lot of money. There are O's on the end of things. They're just, I don't know what, you know, help us out. They came and visited the home. We looked, we're going to buy it. What does it look like? You know, does it work? Do you think it's going to be all right? We got their counsel. Use them. They're there. They would love to talk to you. The last one, prioritize time with them. For those of us who still have parents around, for those of us in the church with elderly members, prioritize time with them. If you're not spending time with the older generation, make it a day in your diary. They'd love to talk to you. They'd love to see you. They'd love to just hang out with you. I know many of you are doing it, but if you're not, make it a point. I was so struck when I um, was preparing this of one thing uh, that kind of kept hitting me again and again, and it was this Literally speaking, is the only command with a time limit. There will come a point where you literally cannot obey this commandment if your parents have passed away. Which suddenly hit me and thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> I've only got a short time to actually fulfill this, all things being equal. And so actually, 
I need to. Yeah, no, I don't mean it like that. No one else took it like that. They didn't. Why are you being like that? I'm trying to be serious here. Honestly. Did you not hear anything about honoring your leaders? Laughing at them? Honestly. I totally lost it now. This is a deep moment that God spoke to me about. And I've been, you know. Anyway. It is the only command with the time limit. And as we get older, we become that generation. And actually, there'll be no one older than us. And actually, we can't look to that, guys. And so what I want to say to you now is take the opportunity to learn from those who are around you, to honor those who are in authority over you, honor those who are older than you. Spend time with them. Look to them. And this cuts both ways. We have many in this nation. The elderly, one of the biggest problems facing those who are getting on in life is what? Loneliness. We're a family. It should not happen here. We should be able to honor those who are older than us, spending time with us. And so this commandment for us, I hope you've seen, has huge application. It's not just for the little ones who've gone out to kids' work and they're going to be learning about it in a few weeks. You can get ready to talk to them. But actually for us now, we are to honor those in authority over us in every kind of level and every sphere. And many of us are workers. And we're going to go to work tomorrow and we have bosses and we need to honor them. We need to speak well of them. We have a church family that is growing and we need to honor everyone in that family, all those who are parents and grandparents and the like. And even if you know you haven't got that situation, maybe your parents have passed away or you don't know them, or there are opportunities to find new ones here to be part of this larger family where we can love and serve and care one, for one another. And we've got counsel and wisdom amongst that. And we can practically work out this command on every Sunday when we're here with one another, talking and loving and just praying and being a family together. And so that's what I want to do. I want to lead us just in some kind of time of response. To this. So if, you've got a, if you want to stand up and the band come up, I'm going to pray. And there's a few things that God might be nudging you about that we just need to deal with today. You may you want to close your eyes. First thing I want to just take, take us through is, um, is that our need to forgive those over us who have failed us, which is basically everyone who's ever been in authority over us. They've all failed us at some point, but some you might feel more than others, and some stick a little more than others. And I think we've got an opportunity now to just do some business with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is here. I'm going to pray for his grace to be upon us. And you know what that is, because God's, he's been nudging you even now through this process So I want you, in a moment, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer to bring that before God and to forgive those people, whoever they are, for things they've said, for things they've done, for things they haven't done that they should have or had have said but they shouldn't have. For bosses who've let you down, who've undermined you or driven you out of a company or church leaders who you feel have been abusive or controlling or hypocritical, for your own parents who may have been absent or just not good examples I want to urge you now to come before God and forgive them or forgive them because you have been forgiven much and ultimately it will be for your good to lay this down so I'd love you just now I'd love you to name 
the people before God to name what they did, name how it felt, this is what they made me feel, this is what it did to me, and then to release them and say, I forgive them before you, Lord. As I have been forgiven, I I forgive them. So maybe just take a moment to do that. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have forgiven us so much. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have poured out your grace on us so freely. Lord Jesus, that we can stand before you holy, righteous, and blameless. And Lord God, I thank you that you've given us grace to forgive others, to release them from responsibility to us or to pay us back or whatever it was. Lord, I thank you for that, Lord God. And we release now the people who have been named. We just say we forgive them, Lord. We let that go. We don't condone their actions or what they've done. But we recognize that we do not have right to sit in judgment on them. You alone have that right, Lord. And Lord God, I want to pray for us as your people that you would come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. That we would be men and women who honor those in authority over us. Beginning at home with our parents. Lord God, I thank you for us in the room who are parents with children at home now. Lord, I pray... God, you would give us grace to be parents who are worthy of honor, (laughs) to do the best we can. We try so hard. We love our kids. We want good for them. Lord, I pray for us who are in authority at work, that you would give us grace to be the best bosses, managers, teachers, whatever it is. And I pray for us under authority as well, that we would honor those in authority over us in our workplace, in our government, in our city, in our town. Lord Jesus, we thank you for those who serve diligently in those areas. Lord God, we want to be people who seek well of them, speak well of them, and honor them for what they do, their services. And Lord God, I pray for us as a family, a church family in this location. Lord, I thank you for the parents you've given us here. Parents and parents of parents. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the wisdom you've put in this place. Lord God, I pray you bind us together as a family who loves you who honor those who have lived long in the land, who have wisdom to teach us, Lord Jesus. I pray you give us grace to find homes here, to find spiritual mums and dads in this place who will encourage us into new things in you, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we bubble, we thank you for your example, Lord Jesus, who came to earth, dwelt as a baby, grew to a man, and all the time submitted to authority over him to his earthly parents and to his heavenly father. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that, God. And we ask today, God, you give us grace to do that well, like you. 
God's people said.